Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Well, so this, this is the uh, skunk works of what we've been doing for the last several weeks. So we have Connie and April who've been handling the online stuff. And I noticed Connie is using an old tripod. Something's wrong with this one. And it just, every single week has been a learning experience for all of us. And uh, Billy Dean and Don Bill has been so helpful with all the tech stuff as has Chip, who's hiding upstairs in, in the balcony up there today. And uh, it has been an interesting ride. But from this, we have decided that we should be doing this anyway. Three quarters of our people are gone for the summer months. And why not be live streaming on a regular basis? So in a couple months, we're going to be completely set up to be live streaming our services because one of the things that we learn from this whole experience is that church is, well, it's us. It's people gathered. We always hear the statement, well, church is not a building. Well, we know that. We hear it forever. But also, church is not a pastor. Church is not hymnals and pulpits. Church is people gathered in the presence and in the spirit of Christ. That's what it is. And Pentecost demonstrates that. As the apostles were gathered together on the day of Pentecost, they were in all likelihood in one of the areas of the temple, those uh, among the colonnades and with thousands of people outside the doors, and they were gathered together. And there was a, a mighty wind that kicked in. Imagine this, it's in the morning, probably 8, 8.30 in the morning. Suddenly there's a wind that kicks up. And in that part of the world, they have the Sirocco winds that come in off the desert. So it wasn't in and of itself an unusual thing, except what was unusual is they started, well, they were impacted. Suddenly there was, in the, in the sight of all, tongues of fire standing over each head. And they began to speak in other languages, known languages. So perhaps Peter, who knew his Aramaic and likely a little bit of Greek, well, he who knew those languages may have been speaking in Spanish. Bartholomew may have been speaking in, in Egyptian. I, I, I have to believe there were some Swedes there, but we don't know. We don't know. But probably not. Probably not. Yeah, Bill says so. And uh, maybe I know there was nobody there from Iowa, so uh, that makes us all evil. But the fact is, they began speaking in other languages. And they didn't know what was going on. But it was, in a, jo it was a joyful time. They were... They were full of excitement and joy, and they were listening to themselves talk, and they had no idea what they were saying. Perhaps, I don't know if God gave them a way of understanding their own words, but 
others who were outside in the temple courtyard did hear and did understand. And when they heard their language being spoken, they came in. And the Spirit of God descended upon them and gave them voices, gave them tongues, so that the good news about who Jesus is could go to the ends of the earth. I believe Thomas, who was the doubter and who ended up dying in India, was given an Indian tongue. So he took his language that God had given to him and took it a thousand miles away to India. And the other disciples all over the Mediterranean world, they were given languages so that they might speak of the good news of who Jesus was, the goodness of, of God as expressed in the sacrifice of Christ. Because this is the amazing thing about it. God reveals himself fully in Jesus Christ. The resurrection is the demonstration that all of his life, his suffering, his death, is all vindicated by the resurrection. And then that vindication gives rise to a whole new identity to what it means to belong to Jesus. Such that when we look at the face of Jesus, we are looking at the face of God. There's no God hiding behind Jesus. God is fully present. And, and the Spirit of God is the Spirit of Christ. And it is that Spirit that has filled and enabled them and empowered them to be what they are and to go forth as the church carrying the good news to the ends of the earth. I had a conversation with a gentleman. He called from Oregon, just out of the blue. And he was asking all kinds of questions. One of the questions is always asked by people who are struggling or have some skepticism about things. Well, how is it that people say that Jesus is the only way? How is it that all these other religions are wrong and that this is the right religion? And he was, he was quite a talker. So it was hard for me to get a word in edgewise, and I was okay with that. When you're in the ministry, you learn to listen more than you talk anyway, at least most of us do. But I tried to tell him that his whole analogy was really kind of siloing different religions, where different religions have their own standalone reality. Perhaps it's not quite like that. Maybe it's like a mountain. And around that mountain, you've got all these people climbing, all of them climbing up those slopes. And the climbing is the acquisition of human wisdom. And there's human wisdom that is good and honorable and true, and it comes from all kinds of locations around the world. But then on the top of that mountain, that's where the snow has fallen. The peak is where God has showered upon us his spirit and as that snow comes down it goes down and and it meets those who are striving to know god only to find out that god has been striving to know us so rather than 
understanding this faith as being an exclusive faith that, that wipes away all the others, it is one to which all other faiths aspire. And I believe that somehow, some way, with the, the reality, the presence of the Spirit of Christ in the church, dispersed around the world, that that good news meets human wisdom and hearts and lives are changed, are dramatically transformed and changed. And they come to a, a simple awareness. Now, I don't know how it was when you were a kid. I remember being a kid and having to go to church and all of that, and sitting with Theo Faber, the guy that I snuck out my dad's car with at 13 years old. And we'd sit next to each other, and it was everything we could do to stop or to keep from laughing while in church. We're dinking around constantly. I remember we had communion once, and he reached on the floor and picked up some grit on the floor and put it in my communion class. And I didn't even know it until after, and I heard, felt the crunch in my mouth. <laughs> Goofy stuff, dumb stuff. But what is it? So I'm in church. I'm a 12, 13-year-old kid. Something got through. There was a moment when among all the words that were preached, a word got through. And I felt different. I felt touched, somehow impacted. That's how the spirit works. I had a conversation with a gentleman this week who was from my church in Michigan. And he said, well, I, Pastor, I remember when you said thus and so on a Sunday morning, and I'll never forget it. I don't remember saying it. But he'll never forget at least what he heard, at least the quickening in his heart, at least the interpretation that God gave him at that moment. This is the Spirit of Christ in our midst. And the Spirit of Christ is why the church exists today. It's not because of, of an ideology about, about our faith, but the transformation of human hearts and lives. That we have been touched and changed, and we've been given a joy and an assurance and a security that, that otherwise eludes the human experience. But we have this, this joy. See, I believe Pentecost was not so much the birthday of the church as it was the defining of the church. It was the moment in which the church itself found its, its definition. It was the moment when God spoke to his people and told them that they are to be a people filled with the Spirit of Christ and to do what he has called you to do, even if it means take, taking you to the very ends of the earth. We do what our Lord says. The defining reality of the church is a church that goes forth and, and demonstrates that love to the whole world. There's a lot that is church. If anything we've learned in the past eight weeks or so, there's a lot that is church that is not necessary. Now, we don't have hymn books with us this morning. Um, <clears throat> believe it or not, 
And I didn't know the church could stand without this, but we don't have coffee. And, oh, Bill's got this here. But so much of what we have institutionalized is religion, the forms and structures which we need because we're human. But ultimately, it all, it all begins to melt away when we get down to the reality of what really is church. It is the gathering of God's people. The promise of Christ was that where two or three are gathered in his name, he's there in their midst, he is with them, he is present with them. That's not just talk. When I was in seminary, we had a uh, professor, an old Scottish professor who had been at, at the seminary for years, and Albert Einstein used to walk through the campus on his way to the university. And Robert Oppenheimer used, used to, Oppenheimer, pardon me, used to also get to know some of the professors at the seminary. And there was some back and forth that went between the seminary and the university at Princeton. And George Henry, my professor, shared with us one day one of the professors from the university who came and spoke. And once he said good morning, I thought that was the last I was going to understand. Because he was a professor of physics and he'd been active in the Manhattan Project and all that sort of thing. But he, he had something very interesting to say. George Henry was speaking about spirit. That was the, the class, the second article they called it. Talking about the spirit. And he said that the, the instrumentation monitoring subatomic matter behaves differently when someone is present in the room. Subatomic matter acts differently when someone is present as opposed to when somebody leaves the room and all the instruments are just left on. And he said, we don't really know what this is or why this is, but then our professor got up and said, this is the reality of spirit. What people bring, what people are, and the stirring of our spirit by the, by the spirit of Christ is that which makes us one and molds us together to be a church and then sends us forth into the world so that we might be his very presence, his body around this planet. Now this... This COVID thing has provided a real challenge. It still does for all of us. So social distancing and, and masks, and all of, all of the things that we, we're told by our doctors to do. And, and we know how this is. We know, we know what a challenge it, it really is. And I try, I really do. But we've had, over the last several weeks, we've had a few stowaways here in the, in the church. And Wally Fuchs, whom you may know, is a dear man. He's headed up north now, but uh, Wally was with us for most of these weeks. And he would just say, well, I, I gotta be here. I just have to be here, pastor. He's a real, really warm, wonderful man. 
And he lost Vani, his wife, back in October. And this is after a long bout with, with dementia. And, and so he just felt like he needed church. And if we, if we ever have any question whatsoever, just take church away and then you realize the nature of the essential nature of church in, the, in our lives and in our, in our culture's life. But he, a few Sundays ago, he came up and afterwards and he was thanking me. He was standing over here by the pillar. I was standing not too far away. I couldn't help myself. Ran over and threw my arm around his shoulder. Couldn't help. Because we're church. Because we are God's people. Because the Spirit of God makes us one. The Apostle Paul says to greet one another with a holy kiss. It's hard to do right now. And we have to be careful. But every now and then, we take those risks. The risks that are entailed by loving one another. Let's face it, the Christian life, it's either about sinning less or loving more. If it's about sinning less, we would simply sequester, we would sequester in place forever. We'd never get out of the house because once you get out of the house, you're gonna make mistakes, you're gonna sin. Or if it's loving more, the reality is we're gonna sin more because we're gonna make more mistakes. And that's why Peter, when he preached to the, the crowds on that day, told them to repent of your sins. Turn from it. Turn from your sins, but keep going. Keep moving. Keep living. Keep loving. This is a, a faith that entails loving. You know, John Calvin says there are three essentials to the church. Word, sacrament, and discipline. I think I would quarrel with Calvin. I've been at it long enough now where I can quarrel with one of the great fathers of the church. I believe that the essentials are word, sacrament, and fruit. Fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Without these, the church is not the church. Word, sacrament, and the fruits of the Spirit, and the, the necessary elements of the church. And when the church is not loving, when the church is not forbearing with one another, when the church is not exercising patience and care with one another, we're not being the church. Churches that exercise a lot of discipline, uh, I don't know how church-like they're being because the love seems to go out the door when there's too much discipline in the life of the church. Discipline is really about doing things correctly, making sure the books balance them, making sure that there's good openness and transparency in all that we do. That's the discipline part, but, but the fruits of the Spirit that's what the Lord would have us exhibit to one another so that we might be known as God's 
children. So on Pentecost, the Spirit of Christ was poured out upon us. It's a spirit that resides with us still. And yes, I, I love my Pentecostal friends who are so exuberant and demonstrate it in so many ways. I went to one of my, my dear friends' Pentecostal churches not too long ago, and there were a couple of guys laying down on the floor during the, during the service. And I just thought, I love it. Such enthusiasm, such joy. And I love it also, knowing that in churches like ours, people here respond to what God is doing in them, for them, how God is guiding, how God is protecting and defending, and how God is mobilizing his church. You bow with me in prayer. Thank you, O Lord, that you have poured your love in the person of Christ out upon us. Thank you, O Lord, that you have given us a spirit where even though we speak in different languages and we hear in different ways and we have our differences of opinion, and our different approaches to life, you make us one by filling us with your joy. We thank you, O Lord, even as we celebrate what you have given to us. In Jesus' name. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.